What's up, everybody? Dave here. Just want to remind you that this episode of Tales from the Backlog is brought to you by the patrons of The Tube. Personal heroes of mine, such as Chris Nelson and the Top 3 Podcast crew, have gone to patreon.com slash realdavejackson to support The Tube, and they're getting some cool treats in return. You can be like them and head to patreon.com slash realdavejackson, and you will be my hero too. All right, let's get to the show. Hey everybody, my name is Dave Jackson and you're listening to Tales from the Backlog, a video games podcast where each week I'm joined by a guest to talk about a game we played. My guest today is a friend of the show, co-host of the Bits of Time podcast and mitochondrial microbiologist Michael Berger. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> Good to I like that little bit. Yeah, I like that little bit yeah there. We all love mitochondria on this show. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> today we're going to be talking about parasite eve which is a survival horror jrpg developed and published by square for the playstation in 1998 michael i'm going to kick it to you for an elevator pitch for parasite eve what do you got it is one of the shortest survival horror jrpgs with mitochondria said a billion times (laughs) one of the shortest jrpgs focused on mitochondria yeah for sure. Um, my elevator pitch is uh, from the creator of Final Fantasy, a survival horror JRPG about rogue mitochondria and spontaneous human combustion. And you heard that correctly. That's what this game's about. So if that doesn't hook you, I don't know what will. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh my gosh. On the episode today, we're going to be following the regular Tales from the Backlog spoiler policy, which is we're going to go no spoilers until the spoiler wall. Uh, this game has a pretty interesting story. That said, it's just kind of sci-fi fun. So if you do get the game spoiled for you, this is not something that's going to like ruin your experience. But we will hold spoilers until after the spoiler wall. Uh, check down in the show notes for a timestamp for where that is. But before we get into Parasite Eve, Michael, I want you to explain to people what Bits of Time is because it's a show that I kind of popped up recently. You guys started it not too long ago, and it's quickly jumped into my uh, listening rotation whenever an episode comes up. Oh, I appreciate that. So it's a pretty simple concept. My older brother and I, we just take a certain video game and see if it's worth your time. And we have a discussion around it. We ask each other questions back and forth. And the caveat is I generally finish the game and my older brother does not. So you get a, <laughs> we're getting a perspective of, okay, what made him drop off from the game and what made me continue playing the game? Yeah. Yeah. We try and shoot about 24 games a year. That's our goal. And then we have some off season stuff, but it's been really fun. I think it actually got Larry back into video games because he was kind of faltering right around 2020, which is interesting. 
Yeah, I feel like a lot of people maybe rediscovered video games or like got more into video games in 2020 due to, uh, you know, everyone staying home and stuff like that. But I really appreciate 100%. the like, I, I, I love video game podcasts that are really thoughtful about video games as uh, media and as art and the stories that they tell and things like that. And that was like the first thing I noticed about your show is that you guys very obviously feel the same way and the conversations mm -hmm. really reflect that. Well, I appreciate that. So everyone, uh, check out the Bits of Time podcast. As always, um, links will be down in the show notes so you can easily find that. We're going to get yeah. started with Parasite Eve with our personal histories. Uh, what made us want to play it? When did we play it for the first time, etc. So Michael, how about you? Man, I played this game, I believe, when I was a teenager, maybe like 12 or 13. And I can't remember if it's a game that I rented when I was a kid or I just thought the cover was cool and picked it up one day. But... What made me revisit this game is I remember liking it so much and I wanted to see if kid me and adult me aligned. Mm -hmm. This, when I talked to people about this game in the last couple months, as I was like talking about playing it and then playing it, the big thing was like a lot of people were like you, they were like, I played this back in 1998, 1999, and I have not like thought about it or like played it again since then at the very least. And so this seems like a game that like a lot of people have that kind of nostalgia for. And also a lot of people are like, yeah, that game was great. I haven't played it since then, but yeah, really liked that's it exactly how I felt. <laughs> yeah. For me, I had never heard of this. You've never heard of it. Oh, really? No. Like I, I had a PlayStation, but I really just played Spyro the Dragon on that. I didn't play, certainly wasn't playing JRPGs on it. So I never heard of it until... I don't know, maybe a couple years ago, just kind of came up, you know, going around talking to people about games. Big thing though, like I'm not a fan of survival horror. I don't like horror games in general all that much. I mean, I'm I coming to find I remember that that's hearing actually, that, yeah. Yeah, I'm coming to find that that's actually not super true, that I do like horror <laughs> games. I just don't like being scared. So if a game is like super scary with jump scares, I will oh. not play it. But when I hear survival horror jrpg i was like well first of all that's a super interesting combination in my head so um i played kudelka which is another survival horror jrpg but i thought that game was terrible so i was like okay i'll try this one a lot more people seem to like parasite eve than uh you know people talk about kudelka even and uh, the other thing that made me want to play this is it's not a very long game and anytime yes. a game has an interesting concept and it's 10 hours long, I'm like, okay, much more likely to give that a shot. I've never even heard of that Kuldeka game, to be honest. Yeah. It has the same kind of like camera view and stuff as you're walking around, but it's the combat in that game is super weird. It's not at all like it is in this game, but uh, I digress. Um, yeah. <laughs> getting into some opening thoughts about uh, Parasite Eve. This is one where I was like really did not know what to expect uh, like out of it because, like I said, I did not like Kudelka at all. And survival horror JRPG in my head was just not something I could like mentally picture what that's going to be like. So I did not know what to expect. And I think this game's really good. I had a great time with it. And the thing that sticks out the most to me is that uh, this game looks great for the time that it came out. And the combat was way, way more fun than I ever thought it could be. How about you? I'm happy to report that 
the game still holds up in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And that's always a nice, pleasant surprise. I'm worried that my nostalgia and memories kind of overtake what it actually is, the basic game. Mm-hmm. But this time, it really sticks. I think the combat is fun. It's a nice short runtime. I was interested in the story. There's only a few design choices that I would say hurt it, but I really like this game too. Yeah, good times. So let's get into it. So Parasite Eve is set in New York City on Christmas Eve, and I'm struggling to think of another game set on Christmas. Can you think of any? So I was trying to, when that, I wrote a note of that, because I was like, that's very interesting. I don't remember any games on Christmas. I remember yeah. snow Christmas levels, but not actually taking place on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have a lot of talk about what the best Christmas movie is, and since I can't think <laughs> of anything, I'm declaring right here that Parasite <laughs> Eve is the best Christmas game. Here, here, you got my vote. <laughs> you play as uh, New York Police Department Officer Aya Brea, who goes out on a date at the opera uh, that ends in a fiery tragedy. Suddenly during the opera, and this is a really famous opening scene, um, and it's literally, it's like right at the beginning of the game. Things go from yep, zero to cool. 100 like real fast. Yep, I, I wrote a note of that, about that too. It's like, man, this game does, it just goes right away. <laughs> mm-hmm. So... At like minute three of the game, the audience and actors in the opera spontaneously combust and (laughs) the game is on to figure out what's going on. Um, I thought this was really funny. Like afterwards, you go outside again. This is like minute five of the game. So this is not like big spoiler time. You talk to a paramedic and the paramedic's like, oh, I think everyone it's spontaneous human combustion. And everyone's like, yeah, that sounds good. Like that's a real thing (laughs) that happens. (laughs) It's so funny, too. I thought it was like a, a joke at the first. I was like, no, okay, maybe yeah, this same. in this world, it's okay, I guess. Like a spinal tap, you know, dozens of people spontaneously combust every year. It's just not <laughs> widely reported. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I like as how she interacts with her date and she just like pushes him out of the way. It's mm-hmm. so good. <laughs> it's and- like. We're here on a date, but it's cop time now. I got stuff to do. Yeah. You you can get she out. She just shoves them out of the way. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the story follows Aya over a six-day span uh, around Christmas time as she attempts to stop Eve, who is a woman who plans to destroy the human race. Again, you're hearing this correctly. Do not doubt your ears. Plans to destroy the human race through spontaneous combustion via the power of mitochondria. So... <laughs> <laughs> It's a it's, it's such so a good. weird story <laughs> concept, but I love it. Yeah, it gets really into the nitty gritty of biology, which is very interesting later on. We won't mm-hmm. spoil it now, but yeah. And I'm a I I had a biology background. That's what I studied in in a, for my bachelor's degree was zoology. So oh. when it it like introduced mitochondria, I was like, okay, like you know, people joke about mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, cool. But it actually does get into talking about. I mean, obviously, this is sci-fi, so it's not like mitochondria really can't all unleash their energy and melt a body. No. But 
It does talk about like the endosymbiotic theory and stuff like that. It's really interesting in a fun sci-fi way. That's funny that your background was science because I minored in science for my teaching degree. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> and this game was um, based on a book, which is why I think that there is so much detail in the like kind of the nitty gritty of the biology behind what's going on here is that it was based on a book, a Japanese book, so I haven't read it. But uh, from what I understand, the author of that book also has a science background. So that's why it does go like this kind of deep and much deeper than I would expect a video game to get into this kind of stuff. You know, one thing we glossed over was it takes place during set days. I don't remember any RPG being like that. And not a lot of games do that either. I've heard of chapters for sure, but days is an interesting concept. Yeah, it's a nice little like um, way to break it up instead of like the regular chapter format i suppose it and it gives you nice clean breaks for when to stop playing and stuff like that and i always appreciate when games do that yeah especially older games in this era <laughs> yeah i also think that aya is a really cool uh, jrpg protagonist because number 1 she's a woman number 2 she's not a sexualized woman she's just a like very competent you know police officer doing police officer stuff there's no uh like she's wearing appropriate clothing and stuff like that. And that is something that like, it, it doesn't like bother me, bother me in JRPGs all the time. But sometimes I'm like, you know, if she is a police officer, why isn't she dressed like one? And then in this game, she is. Yeah. I mean, I'm the same way. It doesn't bother me, but sometimes they just go a little too extreme where maybe I don't want to play this next to my girlfriend at the time. Like yeah. it just seems weird. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I, I appreciate it. I love her design in this game. It's great. Yeah, it's it's a good design. And then she as a character, uh, she has a lot of like internal conflict as you kind of unravel what's going on in the story. I think that she's a pretty fun uh, protagonist to have. And I enjoy the few side characters that kind of tag along with you uh, along the way. One of your friends at the police department and a scientist that you meet. They're all pretty fun uh, characters. Agreed. Yeah. So one of the things that like really stood out to me when I first started playing this is that uh, I think this game looks really good for the time and the system that it came out on. This was one year after Final Fantasy VII. I think Final Fantasy VII, the original, kind of looks like trash now, but this game looks excellent, like both in the kind of character models when you're just like playing the regular game and in the cutscenes, which I think the cutscenes look pretty good. Uh, considering it was a PlayStation game. Really good-looking game. Yeah, man, I love pre-rendered backgrounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're kind, it's kind of just a lost art direction to the way the person had to, specifically the director of this game, had to pick the angle that you were going to walk through. And it kind of reminds me of a director in a movie. Like, mm-hmm. all right, this is the shot we want the character to walk through this door. And we really don't get that anymore. And I can see why, because... I mean, this game isn't as bad, but when... If a game is so pre-rendered and then the pixels are so blocky and bad, you can't really tell like the depth of field. Mm-hmm. A lot of Final Fantasy games struggle with that, but man, I've, this game looks so good still. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, some of the character models are are varied. They can be a little bit ugly from time to time, especially in this era, but agreed on the CGI cutscenes because they have this, I don't know what art style they went with, but it looks so good. <laughs> it does. It looks great. And like I said, I actually think that this game was... Um, 
there was some development history ties with Final Fantasy VII. Like one of these games was a pre was supposed to be the other one. You know, like they started like this was the original concept for Final Fantasy VII, and then it became Parasite Eve or vice versa. I forget which way. It Interesting. Is. I mean, so there's definitely some technology, but yeah, no, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a good point about those um, those kind of fixed cameras as you go through the game. That's a survival horror thing of the very little experience that I have with it. Like um, I played Silent Hill 2 and uh, the uh, not the quarry um, until Dawn has camera angles like this too, where they're framing every single, like you said, every single hallway or every single room the way that they want to show it to you. And um, I think it works pretty well in this game. And all those backgrounds, it's New York City that you're in. So it's pre-rendered backgrounds of familiar things. Like even if you've never been to New York City, if you've watched Law & Order before, you know what an NYPD office looks like, right? And that's recreated pretty faithfully or like in a Interesting. convincing way. It looks good. I don't think I've watched that show. But <laughs> okay. I, 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 it's all right. I think I kind of know what you're saying, though. Same with like uh, like Central Park, you know. Yep. Second I saw Central Park, I was like, all right, I get this. You also have like an overworld map of Manhattan where you're picking what location you want to go to. And I I mean, I guess it's probably not that hard to to draw Manhattan, but it, it looks cool. And like I've I was watching some videos this morning and like one of the people I was watching, um, the Sphere Hunter, was saying that as she's from New York and that as someone from New York, that it was a pretty cool and like pretty faithful recreation in these, like you, like you said, uh, pre-rendered backgrounds. Huh. I never, that's kind of cool that somebody from New York went in there and it's like, all right, this is real. This is real. This is on yeah. point. Yeah, for sure. When, when someone makes a video game set in small town, Ohio, then I'll have my shot to do the same. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the enemy designs in this game are also really, really cool. There's like the famous cutscene at the beginning where you see a rat and it transforms into this hideous, uh, you know, monster, but it doesn't stop at just like, you know, they didn't like blow all their money on that one rat. They did a really good job of making at first making like animals that might be around New York city into these monsters. And then things get real weird as you go through later in the game but I really like the enemy designs too. Yeah. And I feel like they're varied enough through, you know, a 10 hour experience where you don't get too many repeats. Every new area you go to, you get at least two to four, I would say new enemy types. Mm -hmm. So it keeps it more engaging. Plus from a battle system perspective, which we'll get to, I feel like the enemy types definitely make you do a different strategy for who you're fighting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And being able to recognize like, this this is a game like without getting into the battle system right away this is a game where recognizing what you're fighting and how that thing might attack you is important and the way that they've like designed the enemies to be super recognizable and like distinct works real well the music in this game is also really good music by yoko shimamura who i know from xenoblade chronicles final fantasy 15 uh, some games that i've played this game has a really interesting soundtrack. It's very mysterious. This is a game where you're uncovering, you know, kind of uncovering a mystery, but you're never quite clear about like what's going on until the end. And the I think the soundtrack is like mystery creepy first, like a little bit scary, a little bit mysterious. It's so good though. 
there's some <laughs> real there's some really good soundtracks out there uh i actually i wrote down two that are really good out of phase and influence of deep those are my okay. favorite songs on soundtrack we'll hear those in the episode i'll make sure to put those in um one that stands out to me is the battle music which is like this really kind of you know jrpg battle music is often like this big bombastic you know think about the final fantasy 7 battle music or yeah final fantasy 6 which is one of my favorites uh this one's Good very kind of subdued just like some some short little piano things and real kind of calm little bit creepy still but it's it's different it's it's this game's just got a different vibe to it yeah it was an interesting choice yeah yeah I also think the music kind of fits with like the police theme and like, I don't have the vocabulary to describe what music in police shows sounds like, but this, I get what you mean <laughs> yeah, though. <laughs> it, it sounds like a, it sounds like a police sound. All it's missing is that, well, maybe not for you, but for everyone who watches law and order, it's just missing the doom, doom, the law and order tone. Shout out to that. <laughs> don't know what it is, but shout out to it. <laughs> This is a survival horror game in the way that it plays when you're kind of walking around. So we already talked about that kind of fixed camera thing, but do you have much experience playing survival horror, Resident Evil, Silent Hill, stuff like that? I do. Uh, the one of the m- most ones I put time into was Resident Evil 2 on the N64 because I didn't have a PlayStation for a, Whoa. a while when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was different. But yeah, I've beaten one through four, no, one through five Resident Evil games. I've beaten... Mm-hmm. Silent Hill 2 and 3, those are my two favorites. I did not finish Silent Hill 1. I played that one as a kid and I was too scared about it. <laughs> and I've played some more of the modern stuff like Outlast or Evil Within. Okay. Even even though those are now probably pretty old, but yeah, from this like kind of third person survival horror, I've really only played Silent Hill 2 and like Until Dawn's not really a full Silent or a survival horror game, but it has the camera angles and stuff and kind of exploring around looking for stuff the way that that does. Yeah, the DNA is in there for sure. Yeah, and uh, well, last week on the show, uh, as we're recording this, it's not last week for you, but last last week before this episode came out was Resident Evil 4, but that game kind of feels more third-person shooter action than survival horror like this does, you know? Correct. Uh, especially with the camera. Yeah, I've, o- I've always enjoyed survival horror games they're not my go-to go-to i guess dead space would be kind of considered it as well yeah that one's probably in the resident evil 4 school of survival horror third person shooters right i never played dead space it looks terrifying i'm probably i don't want to play it yeah that one is pretty (laughs) scary not gonna lie there's a lot of jump scares in that one which i generally tend to not like but it is a good game same uh but in Parasite Eve, you spend a lot of time exploring rooms, um, 
checking containers for stuff. This is a game where like, well, like most survival horror games that I've played, um, ammo and resources are really precious. You don't get a lot of chances to like go buy stuff. So what you find in the environment and what you get as drops in battle are really important. And especially in the early game, I felt like I had to make every shot count in the way that like, um, you know, Resident Evil 4 did too. I think this game's a, l- a little bit more generous, like maybe like halfway through the game until the end, I never had to think about ammo again because I just got a ton of it. But in the early game, it feels really uh, precious. You have to be careful. Yeah, I think the main thing that it does is more inventory space. They really stress, yeah. okay, you got to pick what you're, do you want to keep a bunch of healing stuff or do you want more ammo? Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're pretty generous with the ammo, which I appreciated because then you could experiment with a bunch of different weapons you get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that inventory space was kind of always a thing that I was like butting up against, but it wasn't as restrictive as like, uh, that's something I hate about Earthbound is how you can only carry like eight things. And it's not quite (laughs) as restrictive in this game. And you can upgrade your inventory space to a point where it's like, anytime I started butting up against the limit of inventory stuff, it was always because I was like, I was trying to pick up like an 11th gun to carry, like something that I just clearly <laughs> didn't need. Correct. One thing I've noticed with all these collectibles, one of the things I don't totally like is it's kind of tough to recognize when something's interactable in this game. Yeah. I got stuck very, very early. Like in that first five minutes we're talking about mm-hmm. where you have to read some book yeah. and I thought I clicked on it and I totally missed it so i wish it's kind of finicky when the positioning and some of the keys are hard to find in this game yeah that's part of the problem with like these pre-rendered backgrounds is that like sometimes you know they'll they'll make the background and then they'll make like a separate object and it's supposed to stand out because it's not part of that pre-rendered background but sometimes it just doesn't stand out enough and i got stuck several times too like i played with a guide for probably the last half of this game because i got tired of either not being able to like interact with or find the thing that I was supposed to interact with, or um, I needed help with some of the boss strategies later on too. That's just kind of my playing style anyway. I'm not very shy about looking in guides. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I used to be a stickler for that when I was a kid. I was like, I'm not going to use the guy. Yeah. I'm like, why? <laughs> why, kid? <laughs> I wasted so much time because of that. Yeah, I know. I, I think a lot of us um, grew up with like that point of pride you know like you never wanted to say like yeah i had to check a guide to beat the final boss you wanted to tell people you didn't need it but as an adult i don't give a shit if anyone cares and i don't think anyone does care no i think that's the honest point if you do you probably or you think you do no you don't yeah (laughs) yeah it's really not that important i think they need a glowing item indicator or they need your character to like look at the item kind of like in silent hill too but yeah, is what it is. that was a really nice thing that I totally just missed in Silent Hill 2, how uh, the character. Oh, will, really? Yeah. I'll just, <laughs> oh, yeah. just look I listened at to that episode. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> I didn't know about that. I was uh, thankful for my guest for pointing that out to me after I finished the game. But yeah, th- there were a couple times where it's just like kind of hard to figure out what I could interact with and what I should interact with. Luckily, the phones that you save at are very obvious. Uh, so blinking light. Yes. Yeah, big blinking light. <laughs> Um, I played on an emulator though, so I had save states. I didn't need these, but I feel like the phones were placed most of the time. Like uh, they're pretty generous. They're, they're not too far apart. Yeah. I played on the original hardware and 
that, that was interesting. Uh, the disc swap where you do it is so strange. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing about just like the gameplay of <laughs> Parasite Eve is that Aya is the slowest character that I've ever controlled in a video game. She walks <laughs> with no urgency at all. She walks slower than I walk in real life when I'm like <laughs> taking my time. Like, so you have to hold the run button down. And even that, she goes up to like a brisk walk or like a slow jog. It's uh, yeah. you're moving around. I can't imagine playing this without just holding the run button all the time. Yeah, so I think on when I played it, I used the my DualShock controller. And if I hit the the middle analog button, she automatically runs when you use the joystick. It's oh. glorious. Okay. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So I didn't have to worry about that. Uh, perhaps, yeah, perhaps there is. I mean, I was playing on an emulator, so there's probably a way I could have like programmed that to do that, but yeah. I don't fuck with emulator settings ever. So REP. But it me. is so slow. I was like, <laughs> why, why did they choose to make her so slow? She's a cop. She can run faster than this. Yeah, exactly. She's, yeah, she survives, like falls from great heights. She climbs stuff. She's in amazing athletic shape. And then she's doing like, she's doing slower than like a model's like runway walk all the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> luckily she moves a little bit faster in combat i don't remember if you need to hold down the run button or not in combat but um she wasn't too slow i don't think so yeah i really like the combat in this game um i I didn't know what to expect because i didn't know what it was going to be like before i played but uh, the way it works is you have like kind of i couldn't figure this out if they're random encounters or if it was just like they're in this regular spot every time then if you leave the room and come back that battle will trigger again or something like that but feels kind of random yeah i couldn't figure that out either i was trying to test it and it seems like it's built around encounter areas right like if you trigger go to a certain spot the enemies generally seem to spawn but then i couldn't really figure it out (laughs) yeah so when it does start um it's kind of cool there's no like battle entering cutscene. there's no uh you know going to a separate battle arena or something like that like in an old final fantasy game it just kind of like loads the enemies into where you are and then you fight like in that exact spot where you were and i i always appreciate that it just kind of lends a little bit of immersion if i want to use that word you know like you're fighting in central park and an enemy pops out and if you like run around during the battle and you end the battle in a far off spot, you'll you'll come out of like that battle screen in that spot where you ended the battle in. And it just kind of makes you feel like you're inhabiting the world a little bit more than a lot of uh, JRPGs do. Yeah, I like this. The only JRPG I can think off the top of my head that does this pretty well is Chrono Trigger, where you yeah. just pop right in. It's great. And I think it makes it much easier to grind in games like this if you need to, because it's so quick. Instead of waiting... I think it's Final Fantasy X. Like it's like you, the glass shatters, does a camera angle. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I can get in the battle. It's like that's like seven seconds. Yeah, like, that takes a while after <laughs> it adds up. But yeah, I do like the fluidness of this. Yeah, and there's no grinding in this game that I ever had to do. Also, nope. Same here, which is great. Yeah, big bonus points for any JRPG that doesn't require grinding. Like it, it can be done. Yeah, it's it's funny because I like that sometimes. It, it totally depends on the JRPG, but I'm happy when it's like this as well. 
Yeah. At this point in my life, I only really get into grinding if there's like a podcast that I want to listen to and I want to play a game at the same time. JRPG grinding fills that like keep my hands busy, but not too distracting where I can't like listen to a podcast or something, which yeah, hundred (laughs) percent, not a total endorsement of grinding when I say that I can turn my brain off and just do it, but (laughs) That they are, yeah. Uh, the way the combat works in Parasite Eve, if you hasn't, if you haven't played it, is it's real time combat. So you're running around in the like the battle arena. The enemies are in there too. The enemies all have like very specific attacks, and you, if you know what the attack patterns are and the animations and the hitboxes, you can dodge everything. You can just run around, get out of the way. Now, I found this to be like difficult to dodge everything or even most things a lot of times but i have seen videos of people who like really know this game like 100 and they can just you know they know exactly where to be and they can go through a lot of the game without even getting touched and this is something i really enjoyed uh, i like games like this where if you're good you can just avoid the damage and this game incentivizes you to dodge because you get like multipliers or bonus points for that which then you can add to your skills and stuff, which we'll talk about. But I like that it's not, oh, I have to defend this attack. I can actually dodge it in real time. Right. And it's it's like, okay, I know that this enemy has a big windup and they slam their arms down in front of them. And if I see the animation or like I know that's the attack that they're going to do, if you can just get to the side and the game is like, okay, you, you did it. You're not going to get hit by this. You're good. Yeah, and then you weigh that strategy with when multiple enemies are on the screen, you're like, all right, which one do I take out first? Mm -hmm. That one's harder to dodge their attack, so let's go for that one. It's kind of nice. I love it. Yeah, and you might think that this like would incentivize you to just stay really far away from everything, but the way that the weapons work in this game, um, all of your guns have ranges. So if you want to stay away and use, you know, like a sniper rifle or something, that's cool, but... You won't have a sniper rifle for a while, and you might not have ammo for it all the time. So you do have to stay relatively close to your enemies so that your pistol and shotgun and stuff like that will actually hit and do damage when it does hit. So it forces you to keep your range at a you know a reasonable level, learn the enemy attacks, dodge them, because a lot of enemies do hit really hard in this game. So you you can't just like tank through a bunch of battles and uh Healing items are kind of scarce uh, at the beginning of the game. So, yeah, it, it's just really fun. And this is not even talking about, like, the attacking portion of uh, the game. It's just all that defense and learning the enemies is kind of the meat of it. And I really enjoyed it. And they visually, they give you a really easy way to see, all right, if, am I going to hit them? Because it's like this bubble that comes out of you. Mm-hmm. It's very simple and very easy to understand, which I appreciate. Yep.
So this is an ATB style combat system where you have a bar that's slowly filling up as you kind of wait between attacks and dodge attacks and stuff like that. And when it's full, you kind of pause the game and set whatever you want to do. So kind of real time with pause, but you are controlling the character while you're waiting for your turn. And uh, when it's your turn, you can attack with guns or melee weapons. And like I said, all those guns and of course, melee weapons too have ranges. So you need to kind of pick like, what kind of gun do you want to use? What kind of gun do you have enough ammo to use, uh, especially in the beginning parts of the game? And I kind of always carried like four or five guns that I would use in different situations. But I feel like this is a game where every gun is good enough to get you through like a big part of it, which is something I like a lot. <laughs> we play games so different. I had like one, maybe two guns really? on me at all times. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I would just find whatever game I or whatever gun I liked the best. And I was like, all right. Then I stacked ammo and just a bunch of healing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I did. See, I had what, what type what type yeah, what type did you use mostly, I guess? So I always had a pistol because those are kind of old reliable. And I used a rifle a lot because you can stay a little bit farther away with a rifle. And they did pretty good damage. Yes. Later on, you get a bunch of like things that are really good in shooters, like grenade launchers and stuff like that. And I, I don't didn't think those were very good in this game. Like they're real slow. Yeah, that's the slowness of any of the weapon was kind of my determinant. I'd rather be able to do like three to four shots at a time because I feel like that was more effective. Yeah. Even though I had to use more bullets. And I forgot to mention the ATB charges up based on what gun you have equipped. So if you have a pistol equipped, it will charge up way faster than if you have like a rocket launcher. Yes. I would say I got hit most when I forgot to reload. That's how I took the most damage. I'd be like shooting and then she's going to reload. I was like, oh, they're definitely going to hit me now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So like shooting is not the only thing you can do when it's your turn. So like having a gun with a quick ATB charge, even though like a pistol might be weaker than having a shotgun out or a rocket launcher, like you uh, use your use your items during these turns as well. So if you're you need to heal and you have a gun equipped that takes a long time to recharge, you're going to have to dodge stuff for a while before you can heal. Um, use magic too during your turn. And uh, the magic is very Final Fantasy for a while, like very familiar stuff, you know, heal, slow, haste it's even called slow and haste just like in final fantasy <laughs> yeah, which i thought it was funny <laughs> yeah um you do get some uh, attacks later on uh, that are quite good uh, but yeah it's it's mostly you know attack item or magic and i would generally use heal on my magic that was the main thing i was going to do mm-hmm. there's like one or two attack spells that i would use but mainly haste and heal yeah and magic is kind of um Magic's handled in an interesting way. You don't have like mana points like in a lot of JRPGs. You just have a bar and different spells take up a different portion of the bar. And I think that like that ratio gets more friendly to you as you level up. But like your super strong uh, magic attack at the beginning of the game will take up the entire bar. And then at the end of the game, maybe it takes up a third of the bar, stuff like that. So you're always kind of weighing like, okay, if I use my heal spell this time, next turn, I won't have enough magic to do anything. Is that, is that fine? Can I live with that? And 
There's a lot of uh, interesting strategy with that because your magic recharges throughout the battle, but it's not super fast. And there's a, I think the interesting part is the strategy for normal mobs and then changes from boss battles. Mm -hmm. I would, I tend to use more magic during boss battles, which I guess is probably what they were going for, Probably, but I would actually use slow a lot more. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I did. Overall, it seems kind of simple when you look at your choices, but a lot goes into it when you talk about, you know, okay, this weapon increases this, this weapon is more close range, but then I'm not going to heal as quickly because my ATB, ba- ATB marker is not going to go up. So when you look at it, <laughs> when you're seeing somebody play it like over the shoulder, you're like, ah, oh, there's not much going on, but there is a lot of factors going into each battle. Yeah. And that like all of those things happening plus the fact that you're controlling your character, avoiding the attacks instead of relying on stats for dodge or block or something like that, really kept me engaged in a way that, like, especially JRPGs of this era, um, Final Fantasy VII, VIII, and IX are combat systems that I really, I think, are pretty boring. But this game kept me engaged the entire time. Yeah, I'm surprised that not a lot of games have adapted this battle system at all. Yeah. I don't see any. It's it's very unique, and I'm curious why it hasn't come back in any facet. Yeah, especially the fact that you can like dodge the attacks with such kind of precision. Like Final Fantasy VII Remake has a system like this where you're running around, you pause to, to issue commands or use your attacks, but I feel like... Like if you're super far away from an enemy, you won't get hit by their attack, but you, you can't, I don't feel like you can dodge it as well as you can in this game. Which is funny <laughs> when you think about the, how long ago this game was compared to when Final Fantasy seven remake was right. It's kind of burning me up inside to not make a comparison to like dark souls in like learning your enemies, learning their attacks. You know, it's funny. I was thinking <laughs> that and I was like, no, I'm not going to go there. Yeah, I was thinking that too. But then I was like, you know, my head's going to explode if I don't say it. Like it, <laughs> it's a very, very simplified version of this, of course, but it is that same oh, thing. Absolutely, yeah. You learn this enemy and if you learn and execute well, you'll never get hit. And I don't feel like that was the case in final fantasy seven remake, even though it looks a lot like this system. Uh, if you just look at it. That's true. I would say it's probably the closest we've gotten off the top of my head. Yeah. We've heard like rumors of Parasite Eve remakes too. And I wonder like if they would kind of adapt this. This seems like very, seems like they wouldn't have to completely overhaul the combat system to do a remake or something like that. And we've heard some rumors. So if they do, I'd be kind of curious, like how much are they going to change or are they just kind of kind of update this a little bit it's pretty good the way it is though i'm worried they're gonna lean more heavy into the resident evil and get rid of the cool stuff right yeah if they they just turn this into like a straight up you know third person shooter or something like that oh my god that's kind of what what the third birthday the third game did and yeah not nearly as good as this i did hear some real bad like i i uh I finished this game and I was like, this is great. And I told some people and they're like, oh, cool. Glad you had fun. Do not play the sequels. And I was like, okay, understood. <laughs> so in my memory, I remember playing the second one and liking it. I never finished it. So I'm curious. Someday I might go back and try it. Yeah. But I've heard that it kind of goes downhill towards the end. So yeah, 
Actually, I might have heard that Parasite Eve 2 is like fine, not as good, but like not a bad game. And then, like you said, the third birthday is like a terrible, terrible game. It's it's so different. (laughs) And I'm like, why did you do this to her? (laughs) Yeah. Another thing I I don't think I mentioned, but with your weapons, uh, you can upgrade them throughout the game. And this is one of the coolest systems, I think, in this game, because once I figured out what was going on, it really alleviated a lot of like the stress that I have about picking a weapon and sticking with it is <laughs> like a lot of times, cause in this game, if you like pick up a new weapon and get rid of your old weapon, that weapon's gone forever. Unless you store it somewhere and like go back and get it, it's gone. And this game has this upgrade mechanic where you use these uh, tools to um, kind of, take the trait special trait or take like bonus stats from one weapon and put them into a new weapon and it destroys the old weapon but it like basically guarantees that you're taking what you like from your old weapon putting it into your new weapon and then freeing up a new inventory slot and it just cut away all the stress that i ever had about like oh i like this weapon because it has um poison bullets and i got a new weapon that's stronger well, I'll just move the poison bullets from the old one into the new one. No stress. All good. It's so clever. And man, I felt dumb because I, I was like, it would not click with me. And I play a lot of RPGs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't understand the system. And then one time I just looked at it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's really simple. I just take this and it moves over to my new gun. Yeah. And you get um, kind of upgrade little items that will just give like bonus stats to a weapon. Like it'll increase its accuracy or its damage. And then... Again, you don't feel bad for spending those items on a weapon and then getting a new weapon because you can use one of those tools to move those bonus stats into the new weapon as well. That's pretty clever that way because you can use those yeah. bonus points too to upgrade your ATB. There's one other thing. I think it's your health. And then you can also just go to any gun and, all right, here's 100 points to upgrade my range one time yeah. or my accuracy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get like some bonus experience points that you can just dole yeah. out. And you get a lot of them too. Like you get a lot to play with. Yes, you do. <laughs> my ATB was so high towards the end. Nice. It was great. <laughs> I think I spent probably too many of those upgrading inventory space, but Same um, I did use it on ATB as well. I think I almost had it parallel. Like I can't remember what levels they were towards the end, but I know it was in the 30s probably. But the one thing I would always try and do, because I picked up a an armor that automatically used a healing item once I got to critical, yep. and I was like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I never had to die like that. And then my thing was, I want to try and get as many shots as possible. So I think my pistol eventually did like seven shots mm-hmm. per firing. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed this. Like all the good parts of customizing and upgrading new weapons without any of that stress i feel about like getting rid of a weapon because a new one might be slightly better but i i have to make a choice right now because i have limited inventory space something that happened to me Mm -hmm. like in a bad way in earthbound several times where you pick up a new weapon uh you have to drop your old weapon because you don't have enough space and then you get into a battle and you realize like oh this weapon is a joke weapon it's terrible like (laughs) happened in earthbound not gonna happen in this game no not gonna happen (laughs) because you can customize it how you want it yeah good stuff
All right, so let's get into some final thoughts uh, before we get into spoiler time. So Michael, guest always goes first. Who would you recommend this game to? Is there just anything you want to say in summary about Parasite Eve? If you want something different that experiments with genres, this is an easy recommendation. I know you don't like scary games and you made it through it. This isn't very scary. There's some like gore horror kind of elements going on, Mm -hmm. but you should go for it. Uh, This probably got missed, like you said. I mean, you never even heard of it, and I played it once. But yeah, nobody really talks about the game. They're kind of it's kind of getting back. But the best part, it controls nicely. Uh, Can't say that about most survival horror games from this generation specifically. So knowing that it's fluid, it's not a long runtime. It took me nine hours, and I wrote it down up here somewhere: nine hours and twenty-six minutes to beat. Even though my game time was seven hours and 24 minutes. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, it was a real pleasant surprise. Like, I didn't know what to expect. PS1 RPGs are real hit and miss for me. As I said earlier, uh, survival horror JRPGs, something I would have a hard time like conceptualizing. Like, what what even is that? And I was just real pleasantly surprised. It's it's a lot of fun. I think, I think it gets the best of the survival horror and like the best of JRPGs without getting into like being too jump scary or being too grindy, you know, like things that I don't like about either genre are not in Parasite Eve. And it was a nice breezy 10 hour game, which can't be understated for people like us who play a lot of games. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And there's one negative, which we'll talk about in the spoiler section, but if you have access to play this with save states, I'd probably recommend it uh-huh. because there are some stupid design choices in two particular spots in this game. Yep. And uh, for I'm a video game collector, and this game has shot up in price. I think it's like 70 bucks now. Jesus. So, <laughs> yeah. So I thankfully have my childhood copy somehow, but yeah, kind of sucks that video games are going up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Luckily for me, I'm not a collector at all. Well, I don't have enough money to be a collector, but I don't have that. Like (laughs) I don't have that drive anyway. Um, I was good emulating it. And I think this is a good recommendation for, um, I I think it's a good recommendation for JRPG fans for sure. Because if you like what JRPGs can do, but don't want to play one that's 60 hours long, like there are some really good ones that are pretty short. And, um, I actually don't know enough about survival horror and like what people like about it to say, you know, if you love survival horror, you have to play Parasite Eve. But again, it's a pretty fun game. Um, Not a real difficult recommendation unless it's like, unless you're against emulating and don't want to buy, you know, the regular physical copy. PlayStation Plus is supposed to have games like this on their like classics catalog on PS Plus Premium, but they don't. They're just like, you know, no no parasite eve none of these like (laughs) ps1 games that people want to play it's funny like the market for playstation owners most of them you're an anomaly just playing spyro but that's okay yeah (laughs) i feel like is rpg is rpg so it's so weird that they're so limited yeah on the the service where they claim to be like you know we're gonna bring back all your favorites from the ps1 and ps2 but none of the jrpgs that you want to play we're just gonna bring back like (laughs) Uh, you know, you want to play Ape Escape? And I'm like, no, not really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would. <laughs> I like that okay, game when well, I was a kid. Fair enough. <laughs> it's okay. I'm weird sometimes. 
<laughs> we've all got our things. So a uh, little bit of housekeeping before spoiler time. Um, Michael, where can people find bits of time? You can find it on almost every podcast thing available. <laughs> Just search bits of time. Mm-hmm. And then we do have it on, we have a Twitter page, bits of time media, and then as well as in Instagram, bits of time media as well. And then you can find me at matter of Michael. Yeah. I do also have an older brother who's more of a curmudgeon and doesn't finish games. And he's <laughs> matter of Larry. Yeah. And I'd like to get Larry on the show at some point too. I think that'll be a good time. <laughs> yeah. I know when you recommended this game, I was like, that's not a Larry game. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to him and he was like, yeah, that's not a Larry game. So <laughs> we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get him on or get the both of you on. Um, I also saw that you, uh, you wrote a book, right? I did. So what's that about? Do you want me to? Oh, no, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I did write a book. Yeah. So it's called Ayla, A-Y-L-A. And you can search for it just typing that name and then my last name, B-E-R-G-E-R, Burger. Mm-hmm. And it's a, have you ever seen the movie Her? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. So that's kind of a, a story about a guy who falls in love with an AI. Okay. And this is more, it, it's kind of that concept with black mirror smushed together. Basically this guy's wife dies, but then technology comes to where she can come back as a digital being. Mm. And so he has moved on with his daughter and his new wife and she comes back into his life and it kind of throws everything crazy. Very cool. You yeah. perked my ears up when I, when I heard black mirror, cause I'm like, Oh yeah, that's, I, I can see directions that could go. And that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> So yeah, I will put uh, links down in the show notes uh, for you, for Larry, for Bits of Time, and Ayla down in the show notes. Everyone check it out. As far Sweet. as Tales from the Backlog goes, uh, best things to do to support are to tell a friend uh, that you found a new podcast and then chase them down when they run away. Uh, I think it's worth it. And <laughs> Always. Yeah. And uh, if you feel like it, you can support the show on Patreon. Find a link down in the show notes. Uh, join the Discord server. There's lots of cool people talking about games. Um, in October, this is kind of horror game month, so people are going to be in the Discord talking about horror games they're playing and stuff like that. I invite you to join us. And uh, yeah, consider listening to a Top 3 podcast, which is my other show, doing Top 3 lists. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, it's spoiler time for Parasite Eve. Michael and I are back and it's time for spoilers for Parasite Eve. And so we talked about that opening opera scene that everybody starts melting, uh, going crazy. I I actually like looked away from my screen, like just at the second when everyone caught on fire. So it was like, really? Yeah. I was like, I was watching it. Opera, opera. Very cool. Okay. She's singing a song. Okay. Let me check Twitter or something because my brain is broken. Then I look back, everyone's on fire. And I was like, whoa, whoa what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you, know what's, you know what's funny about this, this scene in general is the after effects. Because 
one you you bump your data out of the way which we talked about and i just think that's hilarious i love it yeah. in this beginning but they more than once they talk about you're the only survivor and in the cut scene it seems like people make it out the door and your date definitely makes it out the door so i'm just like yeah she's not the only survivor here yeah maybe the only survivor in the way that like she was the only one who like got up close to uh eve or melissa and uh just didn't spontaneously combust maybe yeah maybe that's what they're going for maybe a little translation error or something could be yeah that's always a possibility with uh with games translated into english uh for sure i mean i just still laugh about like how that paramedic is like it's obviously spontaneous combustion <laughs> and everyone's like it's so yeah funny. sure that's that's definitely a thing like we're all yeah i've we're heard all good i've heard this. of that <laughs> there's yeah there's no other explanation that it could possibly be it's so but. funny i love it <laughs> so one thing i like about this game is you immediately go through different areas so quickly mm-hmm. like even before you return to the um, police office you have this area in the opera like the backstage area and then you also go into the sewers i'm like that's pretty crazy how you go to two different areas so quickly in this game yeah yeah it's it's pretty breezy and like that that backstage area is like one hallway with five side rooms or something like that you go past mm-hmm. that you climb down into the sewers i like <laughs> at the beginning this was something that i laughed at like aya goes backstage after looking for the actress um and there's just a giant pit with like a huge drop <laughs> and it i love those things where it's like you interact and it just says jump yes no yep. it's like well, obviously jump down yeah sure she'll be fine she's wearing yeah. high heels but she jumps from i know like 25 <laughs> feet up <laughs> it's such a strange way i can't think of where in relation why that hole was made like yeah. did she just blast through it i don't yeah, really she, know but she just ran backstage and punched a giant hole in the floor and then dropped down <laughs> yeah it's all right it was funny how my brain works when i play jabberjees i immediately said no and i went all the way back outside to the paramedic again i was like maybe there's something there i think you're supposed to well if you do do that i think you get some ammo or something like that some healing items yeah uh the medic heals you up when i was like all right this is cool yeah yeah appreciate that um very uh evil of them to kind of set this like mysterious horror tone and then one of the first rooms you can go into just has a clown in there <laughs> yeah the dress, i was like why <laughs> yeah and he immediately dies too <laughs> yeah he runs outside and immediately just burns to a crisp so i <laughs> there's also one of those side rooms where uh you you need something and you're just kind of like reaching around this like burned body inside of it. You're like reaching around or like picking them up, like shoving them over to this. I think that's what it is. They're like on a chair and you just like push them out of the chair and get to what you need to get to. So yeah, after that whole thing, um, you get a little talk about how Aya's, uh, Aya's, um, mitochondria are awakening. I think they say she's awakening. Uh, haven't gotten into yeah. the mitochondria yet. And then she starts to feel real, uh, you know, hot temperature wise. And, um, but she's fine. And she's the only person who can like stand up to this. Uh, so we go back to uh, police headquarters, uh, again, like looks exactly like law and order. And I've watched like <laughs> hundreds of episodes of law and order in my life. So I was like, I feel right at home here. I know what's going on here. Um, and again, everyone's just like, Yes, spontaneous combustion. We're we're going with this. We're not even going to explore other options. Full nope, on. it's just is what it is. Is this where she gives the press conference too? 
I I don't remember if it's like right here or a little bit later, but yeah, pretty soon after that. And Aya, she can, she just can't keep it together. (laughs) I'm just like, she just starts blurting all the stuff. It's like, oh, it's this person. Yeah. I'm like, come on, come on. But that also goes into her character where she can't deal with this, this type of stress. It's new to her because it's kind of targeted at her and she doesn't Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. She's, and like, it also another character thing for her where they're like, you know, Aya just shut up, let us, you know, basically lie to the public about what's going on. And she just like, can't, can't nope. abide by that. <laughs> Which I love. It's, it's great. Yeah. It's a good character moment. Even when you're like, that's probably a dumb idea, Aya, but yeah. you know, it's okay. Yeah. Is uh, it Aya or Aya? I always assumed it was Aya because it's Japanese, but. That would make sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll go with Aya. All right. So. You go to the museum next. Uh, you talk to a German scientist, which we, we've we all watched movies and played video games. You know the German scientist is going to be evil in some way, right? <laughs> he and is. No. He's just raving about mitochondria, and this is where I started to be like, yeah, tell me more about mitochondria. I'm in. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. So he's talking about how mitochondria have been evolving independently of like the humans at 15 times the rate of human evolution, which makes sense for things that reproduce much more quickly than humans. They're going to evolve much more quickly anyway. And then we start to get into all this like mitochondrial, you know, pseudoscience, of course, sci-fi, but uh, really, really cool. I was like, yes, like uh, this is all about if mitochondria go rogue and like (laughs) turn against the host or someone can harness their power because they're not According to the endosymbiotic theory, they're not like a hundred percent human, like they're something else. And I was like, this is fucking cool. Yes. Yeah, I can see that tangent line where somebody's like, What about if they had their own thoughts eventually? Yeah. You know, yes, it is pseudoscience, it's uh all that fun jazz fringe science. But I could see how somebody could get to that plot point or like, all right, the body's just gonna rebel against you and become its own thing. Right. Yeah. So the way what he keeps talking about is how if all the mitochondria in their body release all their energy at once uh, in the form of heat, there would be enough energy, enough heat to melt a person down to the bone, which is just like just very cool. The the idea that someone's going to harness the power of something inside your body, almost like um, did you watch uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender? I haven't finished it, but yes. Okay, they they do a. There's like an evil uh, water bending technique in that show called blood bending, where they can like harness like the the water in your blood and like control you that way, almost like in oh, that way. Super creepy. Sounds terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's a good analogy between this because it's kind of similar in that regard. Yeah, Grant, yeah. you're not really getting controlled. Well, maybe you're getting controlled, which we'll talk about at that ending scene. We'll see. Yeah, certainly not like within your control to combust or not to combust. Um, so, um, uh, so you you said you have like a background in science too. Um, so you remember the endos endosymbiotic theory? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, the theory that like mitochondria and chloroplasts and some other organelles are were not always part of our cells, and that they kind of were enveloped in a position like a time long, long ago uh, by a bacteria. And they started this kind of symbiotic relationship, you know, mitochondria okay, makes that makes energy, sense, yeah. the cell wall provides protection, you know, et cetera. So 
they're a part of your cells, but they're not you because mitochondria have their own DNA, which is crazy. Yeah, they're kind of independent from you, even though yeah. they help our body. Yeah. So it's like you said, it's a real easy line to connect like, okay, what if they rebel? What happens then? <laughs> then I can see like the thought process behind this. And I, again, this whole chapter, I was just like, this is like, obviously not real, but this is super cool. Like I'm a, I'm a fucking biology nerd. This is my shit. Someone made a game for me. <laughs> And you're like, this is all I want to hear. Just yeah. keep going. And, you know, we we get a nice info dump of it, but it's not too long. And I feel no. like it really does a good job of catering. All right. I can see now what the plot is going yeah. to be. It, it gets pretty like biology heavy, but even for people without a biology background, this it's like high school level biology. It's not like this is, it's not PhD level or something like that. Yeah, I think they would have lost a lot of people on that one. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, I also made a note that like we've been getting these a couple of flashbacks um, kind of in between scenes or in between days. You get this flashback to a hospital and there's a little girl who happens to be blonde, uh, very similar to Aya. And uh, Hmm. the doctor in those flashbacks uh, to me looked like this german scientist uh, at this time yeah they were not hiding that very well (laughs) yeah (laughs) they kind of set that up to be a mystery where they want to they want you to be like who's that little girl but she looks exactly like aya like the whole time yeah i know i was thinking that i was like you're seeing that little girl very early in the game right i think even you see her when you drop down into the backstage area it might yeah it might be it's definitely within like the first half hour for sure I was like, well, obviously that's going to be me. Right. So um, the opera singer, I forgot to mention, she's, um, her name's Melissa, but she's kind of struggling to maintain her own identity or become Eve, which becomes like the antagonist of the game. The diary is very interesting on that one where she's like struggling to get the part but then the main lead gets sick and she's like yeah it's my time to shine Mm -hmm. and she has to take all this medicine very interesting yeah i think she was saying like she feels really sick and but she's like you know this is my big break i gotta this is my only chance i have to do this i'll just take a bunch of this medicine go knock out this opera and then deal with it later Oops. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Um, so after this, you go to uh, go to the zoo uh, to pursue Eve. Um, I think it's the, it's the zoo in Central Park. And then you go to like a, a theater in Central Park. You're also trying to uh, your partner at the police station, uh, Daniel, who is interesting. He I don't there, I, I don't want to say there's not a lot to him because they do give him a little bit about how like he he and his son are kind of not estranged but don't have the best relationship because he's always working stuff like that mm-hmm. he cares about his kid uh but the first thing you see from him is uh, right outside the theater a reporter is trying to talk to aya and he just runs over and punches her in the face <laughs> punches, or punches him yeah. in the face uh so out of left field by like yeah it. <laughs> but um you're trying to help him because his son and his um his wife are at this play in the park and you know what happens when people go watch Eve perform. So they go, got to go in there, but you're too late. Everyone melts into this goo <laughs> and the goo just like goes down into the sewers or something like that. Yeah. It's, 
it's it's a choice. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, all right, so they were burning before, but now they're now it's becoming goo. something else. Yeah. yeah, maybe it's so high temperature it liquefies them. Yeah, um, and then you, very New York, you take a carriage ride out of the park. Oh my gosh, this part, <laughs> man. <laughs> have you ever been to? Have you ever been to New York? I have. Okay. Did you do a carriage ride? I did not, but I did a carriage ride in Bruges in okay. Belgium. Oh, that counts. So. Yeah. Yeah. Feels like a very New York thing where they're like, how does she get from the theater to the next place? Oh, she takes a carriage ride. That's what people do in New York. <laughs> and a boss battle on a carriage. I do yeah. not remember this from being a kid, but man, is it dumb, but also kind of awesome. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Um, kind of hard to dodge the attacks of that boss fight because you're in like literally a, a carriage like a two-seater carriage uh, yeah. you can't really move around a whole lot but it's not that hard yeah you have to just hug those corners like pretty well on there yeah aya takes the carriage uh it crashes and then you wake up the next day in a japanese scientist's apartment and his name's maeda uh and uh, Maeda traveled from Japan. I, I love this. Like it's just bringing in like just such weird and obvious like plot things. He came from Japan because something similar happened in Japan all these years ago. And he's like, oh, I better check this out. <laughs> Do you know what's cool? <laughs> yeah, right. Do you know what's cool about that is in the first level? No. Yeah. After the opera, somebody calls and it's a scientist looking for Aya. Mm hmm or knowing about the event and you don't find them till now. So it's like, it's cool that he's, they kind of put that he's coming over here regardless, mm -hmm. you know, a little Easter egg or breadcrumb, if you will. Yeah. So he calls and you, you talk to him and he tells like the secrets of Eve, uh, which this, this backstory kind of started to lose me. Like this is the part of the plot where I was like, this seems a little bit unnecessary where, they have this backstory about um, a scientist who's trying to like heal his wife or bring his wife back to life after she was in a car accident. The mitochondria in her cells took over her body, which is again, mitochondria. I'm in, give me all that yeah. mitochondria <laughs> stuff. <laughs> but also uh, the person's kidneys were donated to a little girl. Uh, and at that point I was mm. like, Oh, okay. This is why I has her mitochondria powers. Because we are the donor. No, not yeah. the donor. The receiver? What, what yeah. do you call that? Donor? The recipient? <laughs> recipient. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. And uh, so we have this plot starting now. This is day starting day three where Eve is trying to give birth to what they call an ultimate being, which this, when the plot was control the mitochondria and melt all the people, I was like, that's cool. And then when it became give birth to the ultimate being. I was like, that's a little bit less cool. You had me at mitochondria rebelling. <laughs> but now we have the ultimate mitochondria baby, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it is a JRPG, so this is kind of like killing God, I suppose. <laughs> if it's the ultimate being. Yeah. We'll go um, with that. It is yeah. funny that the, the apartment you wake up in is just so trash and everybody's gone from New York city. Mm -hmm. She's like, Oh, everybody's gone. All right, cool. And he mentions about the traffic, like that should always be like this. <laughs> yeah. And Aya is still, she's the only person who can get close to uh, Eve and what's going on. So even though there's all these people that want to help, Daniel wants to help, Maeda wants to help, 
everyone has to stay away and Aya's the only person who can do it. And she like, there's a point where she's like, you know, everyone stay away from me. I don't want something bad to happen to you. And then when it's, when the plan becomes like, you know, Aya, you're the only person who can get close. She's like, yep, I got this. Let's do it. Mm. So that character switch. And that is a almost ingenious plot point to be like, all right, you can't have any help. Here's why. (laughs) Yeah. It's an interesting reason for you to be playing as like a solo protagonist in a JRPG because most JRPGs, you have a party with you, but this one is just Aya by herself. Yeah. And usually one-on-one combat is not my favorite in a JRPG, but this game does it really well. Oh yeah. Okay. We talked about the combat. The combat's real good. So uh, day three, don't have much notable things except it's Daniel's son um, gets introduced to the uh, the police dog named Shiva and the way they introduced the police dog they're like this is Shiva she's the nicest dog like she she's a like, beautiful par- beautiful peaceful <laughs> creature and then as soon as they said that I was like well that dog's gonna turn into a monster hundred percent yep and you were right sir <laughs> yep it turns into like this three-headed like Cerberus monster. And uh, you have to save uh, Daniel's son, and that's uh, that's it. I think his name's Ben, if I'm remembering right. That sounds right. I like this level actually quite a bit. Even with uh, I, I backtracked a lot to get the open doors because you keep getting keys, and I'm like, all right, yeah. well, I'm gonna run back to open Same. this door. I I enjoyed. Maybe it's just because a police station reminded me of Resident Evil Two, probably. But yeah, well, police the police station in this game is a cool place for a level like this because. Uh, police station's been your safe place the whole time. This yep. is where you go to um, get rid of your equipment. It's where you go to save and um, the 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 dude downstairs who upgrades guns and stuff. All that stuff's in the police station. So when it's suddenly under siege, um, games do this all the time where they take your safe place and make it not a safe place anymore for some effect. And yeah, it works. I, I think it's pretty good in this game, but also you're right, like a creepy police station full of monsters is just a good horror setting yeah it's pretty excellent it is funny though that after they clean that playstation or that police station up real quick oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) the next chapter there's a few less people there but everything's fine like apparently the janitors were unharmed yeah they're working overtime yeah so day four um you um let me remember day four what was the location of day four? I just yeah, heard, I you fight top. a spider Where boss on a rooftop, but I forget what is the it, rooftop is, it, is. Oh, it's the hospital. The hospital. Okay. Right? Rooftop of the hospital. This was one of the first uh, design things where I was like, why the fuck would they make it like this? This is stupid. Oh my gosh. Did you, did you die? So you beat the spider boss at the top, which is like a, you know, it's not like super hard, but it is, it's not easy. No, there's because there's two stages of it. Right. Yeah, it's a two-phase boss fight. And um, I died, I mean, I think I died maybe one or two times before I beat it for the first time. And then afterwards, there's a helicopter crashing. Or it's a jet. Jet. It's a jet crashing, right. And you have to get to a safe place. And I had no idea where to go. Like, I tried to go back to the door where I came from. Makes sense, right? Logically. Right. Did this get you too? Yep. So I, w- I ran north and I was like, all right, I can't do that. And then I ran to the east and then it crashed. I was like, oh no, I didn't have save states. So I had to fight that boss over again and watch that cutscene again. Well, you can't same skip here. any of that. 
because oh you didn't use it <laughs> i didn't well oh, no. i didn't i didn't think to use a save state right after a boss fight because i thought it was just going to be a cutscene or something i definitely didn't expect oh man something that would game over me and make me go back and fight that boss again and so i did it i went back i i save stated like okay phase one's over save state before phase two phase two's done the boss is dead save state and then it still took me a few more tries to figure out where to go this is one of those times where i was like you know the pre-rendered background i just don't see where i should go here exactly and that was that's the major problem with this one it's just a very dumb design choice because your safe point is so far away from where if you die on this and it's so like 50 50 and whether you're going to even go the right way because mm-hmm. logically i would be like all right go back to where you started yeah exactly I, there's a door here why can't i just go through the door nope or that giant <laughs> hole that happened it's, it's just oh, yeah it's bad. you can't jump down that <laughs> hole either you have to go to the fire escape and jump on this like yeah like the thing you use painters use right yeah, like the uh, like the moving platform that goes up the building, right? Yeah. Some type of scaffolding. There we go. Yeah. So if I didn't have a save state, I would have died three or four times and had to fight that boss three or four times before I was able to figure out where to go. And I think I actually needed to just check a guide because I got to a point where I was like, no, fuck this. Like, I'm ready to be in the next part of the game. Where do I go? Yeah, there's only, I think there's, three points where i used a guide one i got stuck at the very very beginning with that diary like i told you mm-hmm. after i died on this i was like all right i'm gonna look up i just watched a youtube video I was like which way do i go and that's uh-huh. all i needed and then uh towards the end of the game they do something really really dumb that i also used to walk through for yeah uh day five is a lot longer uh it's real long you do the sewer maze which i needed a guide for because I- I was just like, I, I went through a couple of rooms without a guide. Then I realized like, I'm just, I don't want to fight everything in this sewer. Like just kind of take me through it. Show me where some of the items are. And then um, go back to the museum where the goo from all those people that melted at the theater is reanimating the dinosaur skeletons, which I was like, which that's so cool. awesome. I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. But yeah, that sewer after that little Chinatown place you go to, which is only mm-hmm. like three screens, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it really sucks. Those bats are terrible. Yeah. There was a point, actually, I think it was in the museum where they start to introduce these, like, they look like frogs and they just jump around the screen, like super yes. randomly, like really hard to dodge. And I was having such a hard time in that until I basically just like brute forced my way to a few level ups and then. It was fine after that, but the beginning of that museum level, I was like, like almost dying every random encounter. Yeah, the museum is very long and very hard, but I really like it because it's one, it's just a cool setting for a game. And yeah, of course, the dinosaurs yeah. coming together are great. But yeah, I noticed those, there was a certain pattern I had to do with the frogs because they always do like one to two jumps and then they attack you. So I'd try and figure out, all right. Do I start shooting on the first jump or the second? I think it was like the second or something like that. Yeah. I don't know if it's because like maybe if you weren't using a guide, you would get lost in that sewer. You'd fight a bunch of stuff and you'd level up a few <laughs> times. And so I went in a few levels too low or something, but I was yeah, having maybe. a real hard time. I did take a detour either before I got to this point or the next. No, I think it was on 
before this level where I went to some warehouse. Oh, yeah. Bought a very, very hard boss and I got a rocket launcher. Yeah, so that was cool. I did that, too, because the guide told me to go do it. And I was like, OK, oh, sure. Nice. <laughs> and I ran into a situation there where I fought the boss. I beat the boss with like almost no health left and I didn't have any healing items. And then I had to get back. You have to go all the way back through the level yep. with a bunch of stuff. And I was so glad I had save states where I could like get into a thing, either try and fight it and not get hit or just run and then save state right after it was over. So I'd be like one nice. step closer to getting out because it, <laughs> it was so hard. Yeah. That crab boss is very difficult. I think he's yeah. a crab looking guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that was that was cool though that because it doesn't seem like there's it's a pretty linear game but it seems like you can go do that and there's a, a couple side things here and there and that yeah. seemed like a worthy detour for a, a rocket launcher that was good yeah yeah for sure so a- after the museum we finally get to fight Ava right yeah I believe um, yeah after the museum you fight her I thought that boss was going to be really hard but it was fine like not a big deal. It was a fun boss fight. It felt climatic and everything like that. And man, when you use the final magic spell, I cannot remember what it's called off the top Liberate. of my head. Liberate. I wrote it down Oh too. my. It's okay, so that, good. It is awesome. <laughs> that is all I tried to do. I was like, I'm just going to dodge, get enough uh, magic points, get that bar up, and then I'm just going to use that and hammer on him. Yep. That was my, my boss strategy from here until the end of the game was uh, use haste, and then just run around like crazy, use liberate, and then do whatever I have to do to like not use magic until it's refilled again so I can use liberate again. Like I think the uh, the T-Rex boss in the museum, I think I killed that in like two hits with that spell. Like it's so powerful. It's so good too. Pretty cool to look at too. Yeah. Turns out it's crazy. I don't even know what you call it. Her evolved form and just like yeah. punches and kicks the crap out of everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. And so that was my strategy for the rest of the game. Just whatever I can do <laughs> to get liberate ready to go. That's what I'm doing. Heck yeah. So day six, uh, you go to um, like an aircraft carrier to confront uh, the, the final being the, the ultimate baby, as I wrote down here. Um, and this Man. is, like, I don't know if this was like the design, the last design thing that you didn't love, but like a like six phase boss fight at the end of a game like this, I was like, that's too much. I'm glad I have save states. So that's not what I had the trouble with. I actually like when, I mean, six is pretty freaking outrageous, even for lot, JRPG yeah. standards, <laughs> but I did like how it was growing super quickly because it kind of calls back to the mitochondria evolve super quick. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I like that. Yeah. In the final form, he looks pretty crazy. But after you beat this boss and you have to run away from it, I immediately went to the save point for the phone. Oh, yeah. And you can't save, but because you went there, you do not have enough time to get to the door. So you die. Right. That's so yeah. I was like, oh my God. So you had <laughs> to do that so boss mad. fight all over again? Correct. Weak. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they're in this final chase scene through this battle cruiser or whatever we're on. There's multiple points where you can easily die if you take the wrong direction. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to use a guide this entire time because I did that as a kid because I remember seeing the credits, but I'm, I don't have the patience for this. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm glad I had save states because if I was playing this 
like not on an emulator. And then I died because like I went to go save when, you know, that's what you're supposed to do so, in games. Yeah, right? Exactly. Go I was save. like, what the heck? <laughs> and then they're like, no, nope, you <sighs> died. You fight the hardest boss in the game again. It takes a yeah, long time. I think time. I officially beat it on my third try because I died with that stupid phone and then he killed me. I ran out of bullets and I was like, ah. <laughs> yeah. You start to get to that point where you're like, you know, I'm real close to the end. I could just go watch the ending yeah, on YouTube. But I, I'm a masochist for that type of thing. I'm like, I'm just going to beat it. Whatever. Yep. Yeah. And you got it. Um, there's this very funny scene like at, at the end because um, uh, Maeda makes you these special bullets and he gives you his gun and then he makes these special bullets for you, um, which you use to kill like the last form of the boss. And the way they get it to you is so funny. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. they're in this helicopter. <laughs> Your partner, Daniel, jumps out of the helicopter, starts to catch on fire because he's getting too close to it. He like throws you this like uh, this magazine of bullets. You catch it, shove it in the gun. You kill the final boss. Daniel falls into the water from like hundreds of feet up. Like he's in a helicopter and then he's totally yeah. fine after this is all <laughs> so over. Even though he was literally on, on fire. fire and he dropped so far, there'd be like hitting cement, man. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good, though. Very, very action movie. I was like, this is ridiculous and I love it. Yep. Exactly. It's like, all right, I guess I'm going to not take this as seriously as I need to. Yeah. And then uh, so afterward, everyone's good. Everyone's uh, well, not everybody saved the people who were made into goo. They're, they're a, not they're a baby now. <laughs> Or no, that that goo was yeah. to give her it's like almost like a placenta for her, right? Eve, for it to grow. Right. Oh, we didn't even say you fight Eve at the Statue of Liberty. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and the Statue of Liberty's covered in that goo and stuff. It's real yeah. gross. <sighs> but hey, I don't care. Not the first piece of media to uh like defile the Statue of Liberty to make like an artistic point, but it, it really works in this mm-hmm. game. It's true. I, I always think of Plan of the Apes. Yeah, for sure. And um, there's a kind of another opera at the end where um, like the, the crowd gets all weird. I should have written more down like a cutscene at the end of the game. Yeah. So you're listening to the same opera that which I would have canceled that opera completely. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No yeah. more opera after this is over. She didn't even like no. the opera. She she said that at the beginning of the game. She was like, I, I just, you know, so, yeah, had some weird urge to go to the opera. Yeah, right. I think that's her, the connection point that they're trying to say, like, Eve was calling her there because they're compatible because right. the kidney transfers and all that. But yeah, so you're watching it and then Aya's, Aya's eyes glow purple and then everybody else in the crowd grows purple. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, so is her evolved power mind control? Yeah, I don't know what the fuck's going on here. It's it's super random because it just cuts out after that and you're like, Okay. All right. I mean, I got my conclusion. We beat the big baddie, but now it's a little bit of a head scratcher. I don't know if it's supposed to be open-ended like that. Yeah, I don't know if it was going to be like a supposed to be just a cliffhanger for, you know, Parasite Eve 2 or something like that. You know, you beat the game, but obviously not everything's back to normal, something like that. I mean, it's normal enough to go back to the opera, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> there is also a storyline like throughout the game with Aya's sister. Um like twin sister uh, who died a long time ago. I did not connect with this storyline at all. I was 
all about that mitochondria storyline. <laughs> One through line for you. That's all it took. <laughs> yep. Yep. So you wrote a note on here that says not going to do the Chrysler building. Is that the tower floor thing that you keep going up and up and you've, and I think yeah. you eventually fight Eve again. Yeah. And it's how you get like a, I guess maybe like a true ending cutscene for the game or something like that. Which is weird to me because you don't fight the ultimate being in that one, I believe. Right. Yeah. So I, I looked it up and I was like, you know, is it, if this is going to be worth my time, then maybe I'll go try it out. But then I read like, it's really hard and it's meant to be done through several new game plus cycles. Whoa. And I was like, oh, I'm not <laughs> no. doing that. There's no chance. No. It's funny because a lot of JRPGs will have new game plus. I mean, a lot of modern games now are doing that too, like God of War, Spider-Man, all that. Right. That's like the least thing I want to do is play through the entire thing again, even if I get upgrades and stuff. But yeah, I don't know. You have to be in a certain mood for that kind of stuff. And if I don't, what's the payoff at the end? Like a lot of times they give you the ultimate weapon. Well, I already did everything in the game. What's the point? (laughs) Yeah. I'm not interested in like replaying a game directly after I beat it. Uh, New Game Plus is actually kind of helpful uh, as someone who makes podcasts about video games because the New Game Plus is often shorter than just playing the story again because you don't have to power up and stuff like that. So like there's usually a carryover. Yeah, there's going to be an an episode of the show about Prey uh, coming up soon and I'm going to play the New Game Plus uh, because I don't have to go through that power curve again like you do in the original that like the regular game. a lot of sense huh yeah but Only. i'm most certainly not going to play through it three or four times to get to the top of this tower in parasite Eve. no that's not <laughs> happening so um i wrote down that i was going to watch it on youtube and i forgot so i don't know what happens up there but i assume that there's some kind of you know extra bonus cutscene or something okay i remember i think i looked it up but this was a little while ago and i think it's just a static text over after you beat the final boss. Okay. I don't, I don't think it's actually even a cutscene. which, and I don't remember what it said, honestly. Okay. I also read <laughs> so that the, it, it, uh, <laughs> yeah, the final boss against, um, Eve at the top of it is like insanely hard and you have to oh, man. super optimize your build and be like, like I said, leveled up through like several new game plus cycles. And I was like, I'm not dealing with that. Uh, as much that as I like this some, game. Yeah. No. Yeah, <laughs> that that is somebody's like wheelhouse where they're like, yes, oh, yeah. this is exactly what I want to do. That, that ain't me. Well, this is like it's something that like if I were playing Parasite Eve when I was 10 years old in 1998 and I wasn't going to get another new game until my birthday or something, maybe I would have done something like this. But yeah, that's what we used to do. Yeah. Yeah. Not now. I got, I have more games now than I will ever have time to play. Even if I never buy a new game again. I've go through that dilemma all the time. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, why do I buy this game? (laughs) (laughs) Certainly don't need them, but no. Yeah. Um, weird, weird story. Like, like I said, like just kind of to recap, I really like the story about the mitochondria and with Eve and then, the kind of side story about like, you know, something to do with Aya's sister. Like I said, I even completely forget like what happened. It just didn't really register with me. And the ultimate being felt like, like JRPGs do this so often where you have an antagonist for 80% of the game. And then suddenly they're not the antagonist anymore. And there's something bigger 
Yeah. There always has to be. It's like, oh, this is actually the real threat. Right. That that was not introduced. At least Parasite Eve introduces the idea of the ultimate being like, you know, a couple days into the story. Whereas some Final Fantasy games are like, surprise, there's actually this character. You've never seen them before, but they're the real bad guy. <sighs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know anything else about Parasite Eve that I uh, struck your fancy or you want to talk about? No, but I'm going to reiterate this battle system just needs to be used in more games. I think it's very clever. Yeah. And I do like me some short JRPGs. I love me long RPGs too, but I really like this runtime for this game. Yeah. Yeah. So like I, I'm not allergic to long JRPGs. I've played all three Xenoblade Chronicles games. And so <laughs> those are long. <laughs> those are long. But I like like it's very obvious to me that a JRPG doesn't have to be 50 plus hours long to do good things and to tell a good story and have characters that you end up liking a lot because that's why a lot of people play JRPGs is for the stories and characters and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. all of that can be accomplished in 10 hours, like in Parasite Eve or in 20, like in Chrono Trigger. It doesn't have yep. to be 50 to 100 hours. No, and it, yeah, those are very good examples. Parasite even Chrono Trigger. That'd probably yeah. be my recommendations for somebody that wants a shorter RPG. Mm-hmm. That, those are the those are the go tos. Yeah, yeah. So as well as we're recording, coming out in about a month. But like as people are listening to this, it will have been about a month ago. Time is weird with the way I record things. But I did an episode about Chrono Trigger, and I did recommend it as like a first JRPG because it's it's good. It's nice. It's not too hard. And it's 20, 25 hours long. I mean, yeah, really. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> that's not the norm. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard to, it's, it's hard for me to say like, you know, I think Xenoblade Chronicles two is a really good game, but I played that for 130 hours and that's not a reasonable thing to put on other people. No, I blew through that game. It only took me like 60. Yeah. I, I did so much side stuff in that game and the DLC too. Oh yeah, DLC is good. Torna, yeah, it's pretty fun. I'm excited for Xenoblade Threes whenever that comes out. Oh, it's out. I've been playing it. Oh no, like the DLC. Oh, the area. DLC, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I just got a little nauseous thinking about like <laughs> just with how long uh, <laughs> Xenoblade Three is. Thinking about more makes me a little I know, bit sick right? to my stomach right yeah. now. But I'm sure it's gonna be good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure it's gonna be great, and I hope they do a little physical copy for me so that I can have all five of them. Yeah. Just in my Switch collection. <laughs> That'd be great. Oh, one thing I wanted to ask you actually yeah. was now you've beaten Parasite Eve. Do you think you want to play the second one? It's so I have it downloaded. Like I have it ready on the emulator. And like I said, like enough people told me like it's not as good as the first one, where I'm like, it's not super high on the priority list, but I'm not like totally Same. against it. Yeah, there's part of me that I remember distinct scenes from that game. I was like, this is pretty cool. But I also do remember it not being as good. So I don't know. I think it's around the same hours, too. I don't remember. I think it's shorter. I mean, that's he gets bonus points if it's uh, if it's short, like any game. If you tell me like, hey, this game's really cool. And I'm like, how long is it? You're like, oh, it's 35, 40 hours. Like, ooh, that's rough. But if you recommend a game and you're like, oh, it's 10 hours long, like I can I can knock that out pretty quickly. Oh, okay. So you play long JRPGs because you play Xenoblade. So we have that in common. Yeah. It's another question for you uh, randomly. 
what is the limit for a game length that's not a JRPG? Do you have one? Like, if you look at something that's like, oh, this is going to take me 25 hours to beat. Oh. Do you ever think like that? I think like this all the time. I'm weird. The The first thing that comes to my head is if it's like a, um, if it's like a shooter, I don't want to play a shooter for more than like five, 10 hours. Like I, I will get tired of it. And it takes a very special open world game to merit being as long as some of those games are for me. Like, uh, I think Elden Ring was a really special game and I played that for almost a hundred hours, never really got tired of it. I need but to beat that. <laughs> there's some others that are like not as special. And I'm like, after 30 hours, I'm like, I can't do this. I'll throw up if I play this more. Yeah. I think that's a lot of the time that everything's become open world. I'm just so sick of it that, mm-hmm. which is funny because Xenoblade three is definitely probably open world. It's not in the same facet. Like you can go anywhere, but it is yeah. a giant world from what I've, I've only played a little bit of mm-hmm. it so far, but man, it'll be interesting. Yeah. We'll talk about that game someday. Me yeah. On the side DMS. Cause I'm very yeah. interested to what you, what you think. Yeah, for sure. Game length is interesting. Like as I well, ever since I started doing a podcast about games, there's a bunch of games that I really want to play, but they're all like 40 to 60 hours. I'm like, I can't play them all at the same time. I have to get podcast episodes out. Yep. So I have to pick one and then I'll play games like Parasite Eve that are 10 hours or things like um, next week's episode, which is The Last Door, which is like a five hour game. Never even heard of that. Yeah, it's like a point and click uh, horror game, like Lovecraftian horror game, point and click huh. adventure. I'll be listening to that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I go with the, I go with the same troubles with uh, my podcast bits of time. How we pick games is like, all right, well, I want to get at least one JRPG in, but I'm also playing a bunch of other stuff. And I'm just like, how do I pick? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have like 12 more games. I have to, I haven't even started because we're always a season ahead where we try to be. So I haven't even started season three games. And I think Larry's finished at least three of his. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Ooh, Larry, Larry's <laughs> finishing games. Well, he says finish. I don't know if he actually finishes. Oh, okay. He, <laughs> he just, he's done. Yeah. personally done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll find out if he actually beats any of these games. Yeah. It's, it's tough. I have to be really mindful about like the fact that there's a bunch of games I want to play, but I do have to get two or three of them done per month in order to get the show out on its schedule. So some of those stuff, some of those things I want to play like uh, cyberpunk and horizon forbidden West. It's just like, I got to have big space for those games. Yeah. I started forbidden West and then Elden ring came out and I keep going back and forth, but I didn't make enough progress in that game. And I was, you know, blades out and I'm just like, man, I don't know if I'm getting back to it before the end of the year, but maybe I will. Who knows? Yeah, I think that happened to a lot of people with forbidden West where they were like, I was playing it. Then Elden ring came out and then you know how that goes. Yes. <laughs> that is kind of how it works. All right, man. Well, this has been a good time. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. This is awesome. Yeah. Uh, one more time, everybody. Another recommendation for uh, Bits of Time. Again, check down in the show notes. Very good podcast. A kind of a newcomer on the uh, indie gaming podcast scene, but I really think it's well worth your time to check them out. Uh, Michael and Larry do good stuff. Thank you. And yeah, stay tuned next week for the next game that comes out of the backlog. <laughs>